Raising black children in the United States can be really scary. And as a black mother, I realized I was parenting from fear and I wanted to make a commitment to parent for liberation. You are listening to the Parenting for Liberation podcast. I am your host, Trina Green-Brown. Each episode, I'm joined by other Black parents, and we discuss our journeys to push past our fears to raise our beautiful Black children to be whole, free, and liberated. Wake up, everybody. No more sleeping in beds. No more back to thinking. Hey, y'all. This is Trina with Parenting for Liberation. I'm here with the special election podcast episode. Um, I am joined with Clarissa Douthard from Parent Voices Oakland, which is a parent-led grassroots organizing organization that really advocates for um, whether it be medical accessibilities, um, quality childcare, um, and really just thinks about supporting and uplifting um, the power of parent voices and parent activism um, in their community. So thank you, Clarissa, for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, and I'd be remiss to not name that Clarissa is also a parent um, of a 13-year-old um, son who goes to public school in Oakland as well. So she is also yeah. uh, identifies with the folks that she works with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Clarissa, you know, this is an important time. The election is a few days away. Um, and I know that your community organization has really been advocating and supporting with voter turnout, um, voter education. And so I just wanted you to um, educate some of our listeners about, you know, how liberation is actually on the ballot um, for us as black mm. and brown folks, specifically black parents. Why this vote, this election is so important. Do you have any insights to share with us about that importance? Sure. Um, I think, well, I, I'll say first, every single election is important. Um, it, in a couple of ways, one, it's really critical that um specifically the black community, turn out and vote and make their voices heard. Um, Representation, while not perfect, right, um, at least we have some power to ensure that our voices are heard. We have the ability, um, you know, to show that we can change elections, shift the balance of power in the current system that we have. Um, and, And that is and it's a form of power, right, With again, within the current system that we have. It's a way um, for us to organize ourselves around issues that we feel is very important. Um, there And there are multiple issues on this ballot in particular that are important. Um, Parent Voices Oakland uh, had led two initiatives around um, increasing funding for child care and after-school programs. And so, you know, this is the way for our community – And it has been historically, right? Um, One of my staff members, uh, Tanisha Payton, was talking about how, you know, we really fought for this opportunity. Um, Our ancestors fought for this opportunity to be able to vote and, and again, be considered um, an integral part of our democracy. And so for black and brown families in particular, you know, historically, who has voted has has been white middle class people um, and some working class people. And so that when we when we don't participate, that system continues to look like, you know, um, middle earning to upper middle class 
white people who don't necessarily have our interests in mind. And so voting is one tool um, so that we sh so that we're able to show up, show the power and and sort of shift um, also shift the conversation and narrative about what's happening in our communities. Mm. Well, thank you for that, because what I'm hearing you also name is that our ancestors fought for this. And so it's really important. Yeah. Um, and when I think about, like, the historical significance of the vote for black people, right, that's one thing. And right. then also when I think about this particular election for black folks, like, the fact that we have um, a black candidate on a VP ticket for a national party, right? Like, can you mm -hmm. speak to how that is mm -hmm. also significant um, from an ancestral, like, this is what we've been fighting for um, stance? Right. I mean, so... And I'll be fully transparent. I I think of voting as one tool on our pathway to liberation. Right. Okay. I feel the um, same way. And there, yeah, there are many tools. Many. Um, do I think we're going to have a revolution through voting? No. Um, and and I and I you know and I use that word very seriously, right? Because I think what um, at the end of the day, the highest office in the state protects the interests of really of, of the capital that's generated, right? Not necessarily human bodies. Um, however, and there's a lot of back and forth, right, in the community about whether or not voting matters. And I will say it does. It really, really does. And, and I think that having um, a, a black, well, black and um, an Indian American woman in office, in the, you know, as vice president, a woman, um, and and all of the intersections that, and all of the you know there's a, there's significance historically to that. Um, you know we had a we did have a black identified president, um, and all of those things push us further towards again visibility and representation uh, as a powerful community, right? Um, as ascending out of a legacy where we were three fifths of human beings, mm -hmm. where we actually our vote did not matter. That was and that was intentional. Where reading was illegal. I mean, we see ways in which this, you know, the state legislates our rights away, and we have to protect against that. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's a this is a moment of. Um, understanding how powerful representation in our government is, mm -hmm. um, both not just symbolically, but, you know, we will have to organize, right? Um, we'll have to organize whoever is in, in office, but I think that's much easier to do. Uh, that's, it's much easier to hold um, a, Biden, a Biden Kamala ticket, Biden-Harris, excuse me, Biden-Harris ticket accountable to our community um, than it would be the current administration. Um, so I think that, you know, and of course, I, I want our children to be seeing what's happening and to be engaging and not losing hope, right, mm. in the process, on, in the long-term process. Um, because again, as we talked about, our ancestors had a longer vision. Had, there was definitely a long game there. They knew that change wasn't going to come overnight. So we're definitely living in a moment where you know, we can we can see a pathway to how we continue to build power in our communities. And I think it's critically important to lift up the significance of a Biden-Harris ticket, specifically Kamala um, running, and 
these local municipal and state fights are critically important because those directly impact our community, right? Um, housing, education, health care, you know, black communities are disproportionately impacted um, by, all, you know, the disparities are incredibly huge as we see um, families being evicted at, in, in massive numbers, even pre-COVID, as we see our school systems being drained of their fundings and school boards really struggling to balance the budget and black students suffering um, for that. And of course, you know, um, a lack of a, a for, truly affordable health care, access to affordable health care. All of those things we, we directly influence in our um, local municipal elections as well as our state elections. And this year we really have an opportunity to make some seismic changes um, to, you know, to how things, uh, to the amount of funding, how things are run, who represents us at the local level. So, um, you know, this is a, it's an important election as a presidential year. And no matter what, we're still going to have to fix our roads. We're still going to have to increase minimum wage ordinances locally, right? We're still going to need um, our county to administer health care in a way that supports our humanity. We're still going to need our schools to be institutions of learning and not a pipeline to prison. And we have the ability to do that here. And um, can you share for folks how where our power is with those decisions in this current election? Yes. Um, well, do you want me to talk about Oakland or the county? Or um, I can talk about where I'm at locally or, uh, or I can speak more generally. If you could speak, because um, listeners are from all over, if you could speak generally, but I yeah. know you do have a very specific organizing work that you're doing in Oakland. Um, yeah. But if you could speak generally, that would be helpful. Okay. Um, so, I, you know, in, in general, people, I would really encourage people to vote down ballot. Um, <clears throat> who your judges are, <laughs> who your judges are is critically important, right? These are the people that are making big decisions about incarceration, you know, who your district attorney is, the sheriff, right? And you have the ability to not only vote yourself, but organize mm-hmm. and that. I mean, that has a very direct impact on our youth, on our families, our families' ability to stay together. Um, so, you know, there are these, there's a bunch of, you know, state propositions on every ballot and and then a lot of local ordinances. And we really try to educate around every everyone voting down ballot um, because the, you know, who's on your school board, get to know those folks, Right. Um, and, and more than just voting, really organizing and, um, you know, joining with neighbors or having, having conversations with people that you know in your family, in your neighborhood, in your church. Um, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of vibrance in our movement right now. And I think people, you know, are seeing, especially with the impact of covid um, really clearly the need to um, organize and, and assemble ourselves in a way that builds power in the community. And, you know, there will be, you know, like there will be ordinances and or initiatives, right, um, 
especially the ones that tax or that are progressive taxation, meaning we are asking corporations to pay our fair share. I'll get into that in a little bit when you ask me about um, any specific initiatives. But um, anything, you know, we've had to pay, the community has paid for many, many years, um, regressive taxes, property tax, increase in property taxes. And taxation is not bad, right? That's how we fund systems. But regressive taxes can disproportionately impact and cost our community when there are tax breaks and loopholes um, for large corporations like Walmart um, or Chevron or Disney. And so it's really <clears throat> important also to understand how we fund the programs and ensuring that there is equity in the way that money is revenue is generated mm. in our in our system. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's really helpful. Well, you were going to get into some of the um, specific, whether it be ballot measures or propositions, um, and, you know, you want to share some of those and why they're um, important and how they are um, opportunities for us to get closer to the liberated world that we want if we move on some of these sure. initiatives. Sure. Um, so the, the big one in the state of California um, and hopefully this can be a model for other states, uh, is Proposition 15. Um, Pro what Proposition 15 does is start to repeal um, a law from 1978 uh, that basically um, created a loophole in property taxes. It supports some, some, it supported some part of, parts of our community and ensured that property taxes wouldn't harm our elders who are on a fixed income. Mm -hmm. But what it did was create a loophole um, for large corporations and, um, and, and their property taxes have not gone up. So people who are making, you know, billions of dollars in revenue are not paying their fair share. Mm. And so Prop 15, um, updates the tax code so that, um, you know, that money will be collected. And we're talking about 10% of the wealthiest companies in the state um, would provide billions of dollars, um, $16 billion annually to our schools. So 40% of that money goes to our schools, 60% of that money would go to services like um, health clinics, you know, whatever individual counties decide that needs to be funded. So health clinics, it would be, you know, fire departments so that they can continue to do their job here in California. They're desperately needing funding. Emergency services that actually support people. Um, it could go to child care. Uh, there's, you know, there's food security issues here where I live. You know, people are really struggling to access quality, like, you know, healthy food. Um, we're finding that a lot with families that we work with. So this would start to um, rejuvenate our public sector so that it can actually service people. Uh, and so this is, you know, this initiative is incredibly pro progressive. People have been working on it for 10 years, and mm. it definitely supports... <clears throat> Our young folks, especially our black and our young folks who um, California is, you know, 49th 
um, in our education system across the country, we've really been struggling uh, to fully fund our education system. And that has disproportionately impacted black and brown families. And instead of scapegoating those families and putting the onus and the burden on our families to try and get an education for their children, um, really, we need, you know, a pathway to liberation is ensuring that companies are not continuing to exploit their workers, to exploit our community, and that they pay their fair share. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, a lot of this, that's right. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of this, you know, a lot of the capital that they're amassing is on the backs of black and brown families. Right. You know, even if they are employers, we know what Walmart has done to their employees. Right. We know what Walmart has Underpaid done to black them, overworked them, did not provide exactly. health insurance or benefits. Yes, we know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and they, you know, and they 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 were asking their employees instead of providing, <clears throat> you know, benefits, asking their employees to go out and get public services, which in and of itself is not bad. But this is one of the wealthiest corporations in the country. Right, relying on both subsidizing, having the you know, public system subsidize their workers' health care while not paying into the system, right, at all, actually benefiting from not paying into the system and getting richer at the top. And so, um, you know, in terms of a, <laughs> in terms of liberation, what we're starting to do is balance, right, balance those scales of justice a little bit. And stop the exploitation, increasing minimum wages, um, you know, and stop the exploitation of our families who are under incredible strain and stress right now, financially, with education, with health care, with child care. Um, you know, the other issues that are in the legislature around are around uh, housing, you know, halting evictions, mm-hmm. um, re reimagining what a re- what our relationship to housing whether that's communal housing whether that's you know looking at how much landlords can increase rent um that's you know it's another way that working people are exploited and so and those things um play out on our ballots we have to read them we have to talk about them we have to look at who's supporting them and who's not mm-hmm. right I think you're um, talking about Prop 21 around rent control here in California. Yes. Yeah. Yes, certainly. Yeah, and it's interesting, you know, as you said, like, talk to your people, get together. Um, my mother and my cousin are on um, a Bible study group that meets once a week, and they were mm-hmm. they were using one of their Bible study times to go literally through each proposition, research it, talk there about it, go. discuss it, right? And so then my mom's right. like, can you join this Bible study group. And I'm all like, sure. So so I call in and, you know, of course, I'm utilizing the information that I'm getting from my local organizers, um, you know, like shout out to Community Coalition because they actually send a whole packet that explains each proposition, the yes and no side, um, and really kind of put it there in, in, in ways that our community, our people can actually understand it. Because sometimes these propositions right. are written in ways that it's like, a vote for yes is actually a no or it's actually harmful. So it's like (laughs) sometimes they're written in ways that are a little confusing. And so um, just to see the power of like a group of, of, you know, black folks on a prayer line or a Bible study 
um, really having these conversations and, you know, literally like debating and like, especially over things that really impact them. You know, someone is already on dialysis, so they wanted to talk about that proposition. Mm -hmm. Someone, um, Mm -hmm. you know, is a, you know, knows people who are Lyft and Uber drivers, so they wanted to talk about the Proposition 22. So we really were having these like really robust conversations. We have folks who are, who are on the call who had either been recipients of public housing or low income housing. So the, the, the piece around rent control was definitely a conversation that we wanted to have. So these are real issues that are affecting our lives on a day to day. And so just, as you said, encouraging folks to get with their people, um, have these conversations and then to go out and vote because our lives are at stake. Our daily experiences are at stake with some of these propositions and bills. I mean, some of the propositions and measures that are on the ballot. Absolutely. Um, A couple things I want to lift up, too, is just our so um, prop. Absolutely. Prop 21. um, is also repealing a very almost ironclad, very difficult to untangle and um, law called Costa Hawkins, um, which has made it difficult for lo- it's a state law that's made it difficult for local, um, you, you know, municipalities to pass stronger rent control protections. And and I just can't underscore this enough. Just it seems that these local issues are so close to us, right? They have such a, a big impact on our lives and. Um, one thing I heard in you when you were talking about, you know, um, the you know, your mother's church group and any, we also have to think about voter suppression and, and you know, that is a real thing. Yes, it is. Um, it, it's not showing up the same as it is in Georgia. Shout out to Georgia and Florida, right. Who are organizing so hard to make sure that, and again, they're very close to the legacy, right. Of our ancestors. Mm-hmm. And it is, they are still, having to fight very hard in all, you know, in voter suppression in all forms, people waiting in very long lines, people being, you know, turned away at the polls, people being asked to show identification, right, um, that actually is illegal. And those things are also tied up in court. So, again, judges really matter. Um, and here in California, um, Proposition um, 20 um, also um, – uh, I'm sorry, not Proposition 20. Um, there's a, excuse me. Um, proposition 18 or 17 around voting? Yes, 17. Um, 17 and 18. 17, which um, allows folks on parole to vote, which, you know, increases the number of folks that are able to be represented. Mm-hmm. As we know, you know, prisons is rooted in the, the legacy of slavery. And so, that's, you know, again, another way that we're increasing our freedom and democracy and also Proposition 18, allowing young people to vote. Um, and also here in Oakland, there's a, a measure QQ, which is allowing 15, 16-year-olds to uh, vote in school board elections. Nice. So, yeah, I mean, and so for other places, this is this could be a model should this pass. Berkeley, the city of Berkeley here in California also passed an ordinance allowing 16-year-olds to vote that they're implementing um, and vote in school board elections. So our young people have a say, right, in who's governing the system that they're in, that they're in and are learning early on what democracy looks like um, for themselves, right? And that, that is a youth-led, youth-run initiative. Um, it's, it's youth of color. It's a, you know, th- these are... I think of voting as really critical and elections as critical moments where we can, you know, have 
the kind of organization that you were talking about organizing and, um, you know, building a sense of community and purpose mm-hmm. in, in our vision, right, around what society can look like. So these are just opportunities to organize people because every day, you know, we can be, or- we should be organizing every day all the time. Right. But it, elections are a moment where things like voter suppression and people's views come into focus. Right. And so the more that we are doing um, both reading voter guides that are really speaking to the community, that is super important. So once you get that ballot, <laughs> right, or the voter guide that the registrar sends you, it, it isn't always written in a way that's accessible to community, and it can be very confusing, the language. And, and a lot of times that's on purpose, very much on purpose. So, you know, again, having conversations, having organizations that you trust um, and reading their analysis and getting the information in an appropriate way and really being having conversations about voter suppression and organizing and being creative in our organizing around supporting folks' ability to vote um, is really critical. Yeah. Yes. And thank you for the work that you're doing up in Oakland that literally is doing that, you know, not just during the election. You all are organizing and bringing um, families together and and really amplifying parents' voices. Um, And also just shout out to Oakland. Oh, yeah. And also just shout out to Oakland um, for and, you know, the Bay Area for putting initiatives in place and the young people organizing there to, you know, get their voices um, heard by creating these initiatives to invite young people to actually be a part of selecting who's on their school board. And that makes me want right. to um, ask you about how do you get your own children involved in election or voting Um you know, how do you talk to them about the significance and the importance of voting? Yeah, I, so in my home, uh, we have regular conversations about, um, about what's on the ballot. My son, uh, my son has grown up with me organizing since he was three, um, and even younger. So he's always, um, he's at a rally or at the voter booth. I think um, one of the best ways is, um, t- you know, talking, you know, in an age-appropriate way, but starting with the history and why we vote and what and what um, what the what the meaning of it is. It's not symbolic. It has a direct impact on actual people. And giving those civics le- civics lessons early, right? Um, what the role of elected officials are what it means to have a representative government and, you know, really thinking through how these issues, you know, thinking through with your kids, how these issues um, affect your family, right? Mm. We, in my home, um, you know, I got into this work um, around organizing families because I myself was really impacted by systems. I was impacted by a lack of childcare access. And that, and having open conversations about what that looked like um, when, you know, my son was younger, we couldn't get access to a preschool. And then that affected his ability um, mm-hmm. to be seen and supported in kindergarten. Um, as, you know, a young black boy, they, the teachers already said, well, he's not really ready for kindergarten. And that informed well into his elementary school years, right, that there was you know, that there is a direct connection between a lack of services and his education starting 
from three years old, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so really having conversations about in real life um, how these policies impact our family, our friends. Um, you know, we have loved ones who've been in the justice system. Then being able to vote while, while on parole, right, it's, it's personal. Mm-hmm. And um, so I would... <laughs> I would have, you know, open and honest conversations and bring your kids with you to vote. Um, One of the most powerful things for me was uh, when I turned 17, when when I'm sorry, when I was about to turn 18, um, my grandfather actually took me to register to vote. Mm. And it was a very big deal. It was a huge deal. And, you know, my grandfather is from Moss Point, Mississippi. He marched. He he left because he was worried about getting lynched. All right. Like he, this, it was very big to him to teach his grandchildren to vote. And, um, and he was a real Democrat, um, you know, had been in the military and just believed that in addition to all of the other things that we do in our liberatory practices and all of the ways that we're raising our kids to be critical thinkers and conscious of our in their environment, and you know, they're excuse me. Voting is a part of that, um, and that it is a right. Um, really affirming that this is a right that we fought for for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, you know, I, I, again, my belief is that it is one tool, but it's a really important tool because people have done incredibly damaging things through there's legislation that goes through all the time um, that we don't vote on, you know, so that's why our organizing and advocating practices have to continue in between elections. But that, again, these are moments to where the focus is on how systems are functioning and what we can do to change them. So, you know, there's voter education in this household every day. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much every day as these issues come up, there's not a, you know, we're always in conversation about current events and being tapped into that. Um, and also connecting that to what we see, what he's seeing and how he views the world. Um, and also, and I'll just put this in there too. He has his own opinion. He's 13. So mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> he's got lots of questions. <laughs> he's got his, he's his own person. He had his own opinion at five. And so um, really encouraging curiosity mm-hmm. in, in whatever way possible has been helpful. And he says he's not political, but he actually really is. He just is tired of me talking. Oh, yeah. Um, sounds like, but, sounds <laughs> like you and I have the same challenges with our kids because we're always talking about these things. And yes. so they say, oh, it's, you know, I'm not into that. But if given the opportunity to talk to someone else other than us, they definitely have a point of view. Okay. So that's exactly (laughs) it. I I heard him challenging a friend who was, you know, um, talking about black lives matter. And I overheard it, even though I was listening and, you know, (laughs) he was explaining what black lives matter as a movement was. And I was like, okay, because he doesn't want to talk to me about it, but they are absorbing. It's in there. the information, absolutely. Yeah. You know, we're providing those seeds, but it's really powerful when they um, use their own thinking around it and, and yeah, really um, form their own ideas and opinions. Yeah, so, yeah. That's what's going to liberate us. I believe that's what's really going to liberate us. 
um, when you say our, that, our babies. Okay, thank you. I was like, be explicit. You're talking about our children, the next generation <laughs> of, 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 of black babies who are brilliant, Absolutely. who are challenging, who are asking the questions, who are yep. inquisitive. Um, Absolutely. Definitely. I definitely think that uh, the next generation will continue us on our pathways toward liberation because of the, the parents like you who are cultivating liberation and planting those seeds while they're young. So. And you too. You <laughs> too. Yes, absolutely. All of us. All of us. Yes. Um, I have one more question for you. Um, sure. And it's just coming up because I hear you naming a lot of the work that you've been doing, you know, not just for this election, but period, the work that you do around organizing families and supporting families. Um, mm -hmm. Parenting for Liberation, one of our approaches to this work is, in addition to like looking at what are the multiple strategies for liberation, is also a strategy around healing justice. And, um, yes. you know, I, yes. did a, I did a workshop with uh, Parent Voices to support some of the parents who are doing organizing, uh, did a healing justice workshop. And so I'm curious for you, um, yeah, what are your uh, pre and post or what are your election um, healing justice practices. <laughs> How are you going to care for yourself? Because Parents for Liberation uh, is hosting. We're hosting a couple of things, so you might say I'm going okay. to that. <laughs> but you know, okay. I, so we're hosting um, on Monday. We're doing um, on Monday and Wednesday. So the day before and the day after election, we're hosting community care circles. Um, the day before the election, we're really going to be like setting some intentions, doing some breathing work together, kind of like setting. Um, setting the night before the election just kind of get us to um be connected with our breath and with our hearts and with our spirits mm -hmm. um to ground you know um it's really about right. how do we not brace ourselves for the impact because when you tense and brace and flinch it actually causes more harm to our body so how can we enter That's into right. how can we enter into yeah. election day um loose and open um, and grounded and so that's going to be facilitated by michelle phillips who is the liberation strategist and then on wednesday um, the day after the election we're also going to be connected to our bodies but we're really going to be trying to access joy regardless of how the results um turn out we know that we always are resilient people wow. we also we always need to connect to our joy um our spirits um and really just finding those moments of joy and connecting with other folks. So we'll actually have a DJ who will be spinning. Um, that's DJ Shell Spins. We'll, um, you know, just have some some music that's rooted in our own joy and liberation um, to come together and move our bodies together. So those are the two things we'll be offering as opportunities for folks to practice care. But yeah, just curious about what are your care practices? Um, my care practices... Well, so that's why I'm really excited to work with you because I need to have more of them. Um, what initially is coming to my head is, um, first of all, I love all of those events, um, in particular studying the night before, but having a community care practice and really getting into our bodies. There's a lot, there's a lot of, I tend to be in my head in moments like this mm -hmm. and, so um, and, and so I love that there's a community care strategist because you have strategy for everything except how we care for our bodies. Right? Um, I, I would love to hear more um, about how we're strategizing as a community to heal. And um, I, don't, I don't get to have that conversation as often. I, I feel like this work is often oriented towards the individual, um, which is a norm in our country, um, and that... <clears throat> I, I, a pathway to liberation absolutely has to be grounded in communities of communities of practice um, around 
healing around, um, but also discussion and really feeling into um, what 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 the cost has been of this work because this is it's really um, whether you're voting, whether you're campaigning, any part of the political process has um, a, a cost. Uh, so what I personally do, um, it depends on the campaign and how, um, what, what my position is in the campaign and how much responsibility I have. Um, I definitely have used that time to go inward and be very self-reflective. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually need some, you know, how I recharge, uh, I'm an introvert. So I recharge by not having 50 conversations a day, uh, at least at first. Um, but I also realized that there's a bit of a suffer in, si- <laughs> suffer in silence, mm. um, sort of, uh, way of being that I really, really, um, would like to find other, you know, other opportunities for, because I don't, you know, I don't have to talk. People can just hold you where you are. Right. Um, these elections have impact to, impacts to our entire community. We need to be experiencing whatever the outcome is and, you know, together. And regardless of what the outcome of any election is, we still have work to do. Right. Mm-hmm. It doesn't stop with an election. In fact, I would say after the election, the, the work, the work work happens. Right. Because leading up to an election, there's you're getting 50 texts. You're trying to digest the information. You're trying to make decisions. You're working with community to support, you know, any attacks against our democracy and ability to vote. So there's a, a rush of, in, of uh, both information and activity. Post-election, though, is a moment to take a breath, but also get ready, right, for the next round of work, um, which is holding our systems and elected officials accountable and ensuring that whatever we just won or whatever we lost, um, that we're still engaged in that conversation and active. So in the, in, in the interim, you know, rest, reflection, and definitely conversation, sharing meals. I mean, it's a little bit different in COVID Mm -hmm. right in this moment. So I really, really appreciate those opportunities that you're creating space for um, to connect with people because this moment can feel very isolating. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, what, you know, our current system, one of the current way, one of the ways that our current system does oppress people is through, in, you know, this uh, a sense of isolation, particularly parents. Mm-hmm. And um, which is why I love working with parents, right? Because um, we're extremely powerful and resilient and resourceful. And there's this, very erroneous assumption that, um, you know, we all, we have to figure it out on our own. So, um, so I think after this election, definitely, um, I'm going to need a breath because 2020 has been a beast mm-hmm. and, um, <laughs> it's, it's been hard in so many ways, um, being in conversation, sharing food, um, you know, and doing, you know, the practices that, hold me individually. Um, I have a meditation practice, um, mm-hmm. and I walk and spend time with my son, you know, cause usually during a campaign, I have not spent a lot of time with him mm-hmm. as much as I would like, <clears throat> but also being in a community 
where I can talk to folks who who do understand, talk to my community, you know, parents, um, black families in particular, black mothers, um, black fathers, really speaking to folks who um, may have their children in public education and are just tired of there being no money, no books, no facilities, tired of teachers that don't look like us, right? Having to think through, um, no matter what the outcome is, you know, how we're feeling in the moment and also what we need to support each other to keep going. Um, I think that's the really the most important thing because it's, it's so easy to get caught up in. And I had to fight this thought too. I thought no matter what we are going to be fighting for a very long time. Mm, (laughs) And that's exhausting. That sounds exhausting. Yeah. And so how exhausting. Yeah. So how is, as we're fighting, how is, um, how is our own care um, right. also integrated in our fight? How can we fight for our own healing? How can we fight for our own care? How can we fight Absolutely. for rest? And so so it's a both and, and, and we have to make sure that, and that's why I appreciate um, the folks who are going to be holding space for us, Michelle specifically, really, as I was asking them to hold space um, for Parent and for Liberation, they could hear in my request that also I had that need, right? That that they could hear my own lack of care in that moment, in that request, in that sense of urgency. And so they invited me into actually, how do I create care for myself before I can create care for other people? Um, And so really appreciating that invitation. um, And as we think about advocating and fighting for liberation, how do we also make that stuff accessible and available for us? the fighters, the, the, the folks who are holding space. And so I definitely want yeah. to invite you into those care practices with us and community. I would love to. Um, Absolutely. Because we know, it like you needed. said, this fight is, is, is not a sprint. It's a marathon. Right. And so we have to pace ourselves. Right. We have to pace ourselves. Right. And, and, you know, I think grounding into those, it, you know, having some sense of grounding in people that, you know, have a shared vision, um, we can reframe that from being like, oh, the fight is never over, right? Which is, feels like when you're talking about reflexes, right? That makes me clinch up, you know, that makes me, my, you know, muscles heart, you know, harden rather than relax into this is a marathon and we got us, we right? Got Which us. has been a chant throughout this election for sure. And throughout COVID and all of the struggles that we've had this past year and beyond, of course, but you know, how do, how, how are we holding each other to be able to relax? Um, it is not all on us individual, individually. Um, and there's a lot of, just a lot of power in that. Yeah. So both have to happen. Yeah. And with that, I'm going to invite us to, to close this conversation so that we both can go relax, um, uh, and (laughs) practice some care and prepare, um, like you said, for the long haul, um, knowing that we have each other and we got us. Yeah. I really appreciate uh, being on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Parenting for Liberation. I hope that something shared on this episode helps you on your journey to liberated parenting. To learn more about our other episodes, check out our website at www.parentingforliberation.org backslash podcast. Please like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you're listening on iTunes, make sure you give us a good review. Wake up, everybody.